Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, fellow Seminole fans, basketball enthusiasts, and my good friend Michael Rogner. Uh, g- great to great to see. This is Matt Minnick here on the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast, joined by Michael Rogner. Uh, Michael, I know you're out. Maybe the listeners know you live out in NorCal. Uh, how, how's the? You've been getting a lot of rain out there. Yeah, we have gotten a little bit of rain. We've gotten like three years worth and about a month. So that's nice. A little, little bit of flooding. A few people, a few people got killed, but then, you know, that, that happens. It's, but you need the rain. So we do need the rain. A so couple of deaths versus net the benefit. rain. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and in three years is probably like two months worth of rain in, in Tallahassee right. with our like 70 inches of rain per year. Um, you know, also a lot of rainy Saturdays and Wednesdays, maybe for you, good, good chance to watch a lot of college basketball. Are you, are you getting your fill as it it's mid January? We are in the heart of conference season. You getting your fill of college basketball. I've, I've certainly got my fill of bad college basketball, you know, being a Florida state fan and an ACC fan, but I, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to catch some, some, uh, some other games as well. And, and as always, the season um, is full of interesting storylines and, and teams and stuff that we'll be learning about in March when Florida state fans will have plenty of time to not pay attention. That is a true statement. Florida state will not be playing beyond uh, the ACC tournament this year, but you got St. Mary's out there speaking of they're good basketball. Maybe we'll even talk a little St. Mary's later in terms of how are they so darn good at, at defending the three, but um no, you got some good basketball. Yeah, I've been there. You know, I have to I will get be be a little vulnerable here and say that the combination of Florida State's football team doing so well. Um, and I was dialed into to the Cheese It Bowl. My wife and I bought um 
five different kinds of cheese it crackers i no, you know what fuck that i'm saying cheese it's we bought five different <laughs> kinds of cheese it's that we that we ate and so i have i've paid attention to college basketball i certainly enjoy dabbling in some uh in some gambling um you know attempts if you will but i i probably have been more dialed in now in the last 19 days than i was in december partly because of of the renaissance of fsu football partly because of how bad fsu basketball was and just frankly some of these games have not been enjoyable to watch but um if if those i think this is all that is a nice segue to be honest so florida state is um hold on here six and thirteen but we are four and four in the ACC for, for those people who maybe were dialed into football, like me, you're, you kind of just been tuning into some games and you're going, what in the world is going on? Uh, Florida state started one and nine and, and they lost to pretty much everybody good, bad, or indifferent uh, in the month of November. Their only win in November was against Mercer at home. Feel bad for the, for the bears on that one. Um, has there been an? I mean, are we four and four in the ACC because the ACC is atrocious, or are we four and four because we've made some improvements, or is it maybe a combination of both? Yeah, it's it's uh, the ACC is bad. Um, the teams that we have beaten are bad. They're two and twenty-two combined. Um, so we're certainly you know we're we're beating the teams that we should beat, which is an improvement over November when. Um, you know, we're getting stomped by Stetson and Troy and Sienna. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy that the team is getting better, but I mean, it's still it's just terrible basketball, and it's primarily a defensive issue. I'm happy to see that some of the guys are are really you know stepping up, and the team is certainly not quitting. You know, that's one of the things that we can always count on for a Leonard Hamilton coach team is that there's a there's a pretty high likelihood that they, these guys are going to battle all the way through you know March 4th 4th and um into the ACC tournament the team is not quitting i will say that watching these games in person there is a there is an excitement still and energy on the bench uh, even guys who have been hurt which like last year there's been a number of guys who could be contributing to a team that would at least be better i don't know if it would be great but it would at least be better if, if Ganey was healthy, uh, you know, Cameron Fletcher, but um, they, they have not quit. They, they are not, I don't know. I don't want to say that they are like, I'm not calling out their manhood when I'm saying they're soft. I, I, I still don't see a team that responds very well to adversity. It's a front running team. Uh, they jumped out against Notre Dame in the most recent game. If, for those of you who watched it, Notre Dame, Florida State swept Notre Dame for the season. Um, so a, a full third of our six wins come against the Fighting Irish. Uh, that promptly was followed by news of Mike Bray apparently announcing his going to be retiring at the end of the season. So I guess uh, Florida State is so bad. We're now forcing coaches into retirement because they're losing to us. Um, we jumped out to like a 13 nothing lead, pretty much led by double digits the whole game. This team is okay at that. <laughs> They're not very good when when they fall behind the previous game against uh, Virginia and really the Wake Forest game before that. As soon as another team goes on a on a 8-0 run, they have a real inability to stop that and prevent it from getting to like a fifteen to something run. And even in the Notre Dame game, 
Notre Dame went on like a 17 to one run. Uh, they just were behind by 24. So yeah. What, what is that, man? Why, why is our, why is our defense unable to prevent teams from getting extremely wide open looks? Well, I, I like you, I don't want to just come out and call them soft, but certainly this roster is not the toughest roster that we've, we've ever had. Um, but that said, I think this falls way more on the coaches than it does on the players. The 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 players have been put in a bad position in that one, um, they're not at full strength. So, several are playing through injuries or are missing the whole season because of injury. You know, Baba's suspended, et cetera. And then the other part is they're just being asked to do things that they can't do. You know, when you've got McLeod um, pressuring the ball handler 25 feet away from the basket, I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, like, why is the coach, why are the coaches telling him to do that? Because everybody in the world knows that he's just going to get blown by. And then the defense has collapsed and then it leads to open threes. And so the, the coaches have made a conscious decision not to adjust the defense to take away what offenses are obviously trying to do. And I don't understand why they're doing it. If they're doing it for next year, that's great. Um, if they're doing it because they think that these particular guys are going to somehow get it by March 4th, then I, 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 I just don't know what to comment about that. I, I cannot, I mean, having, having spoken with, Form, you know, formed relationships with you know, not even just in press conferences, but, you know, off the court with Stan Jones and, and Leonard. Uh, haven't, haven't gotten a chance to really meet with R.J. Barsh yet, but I'd, I'd like to. Uh, so if you, if by any chance you listen to this, R.J. Barsh, we'd love to love to uh, talk to you and build a relationship too with you. Um, I cannot fathom that basketball savants like those guys i mean we are talking about people who have been part of the game they they have been around for so long and seen so much of the evolution of the game that i cannot fathom that they are unaware that a guy like mcleod can't defend on the perimeter right like that seems to me to just be a leap of logic i'm not willing to take and so now it could be stubbornness uh it could be hubris thinking that like yeah well it's okay if he gets blown by because that actually funnels him into where we want him to get trapped and then we're going to have a guy rotating over and jumping a passing lane or getting a deflection or you know i I don't know and and then those things don't work out um but it has to be i think building for next year hopefully but but is is there even a like does that even matter if i don't know I, it's stuck. It's like, I mean, what is worth more, Michael? You tell me. Is a three point shot worth more or a two point shot? Yeah, I think I think you've been uh, been reading my tweets, but I, I th- I'm I am half convinced that not everybody understands the difference between a three and a two. And how? I mean, okay. So serious question, because um, I'm not, not putting you on the spot here, calling you out, but you're older than I am, uh, and so. I mean, you've watched more years of basketball than I have. Like how many, just in a general game, a, a regular game, doesn't have to be Florida State, how more, much more frequent do you see three-point shots and and guys on the court who can make, take and make three-point shots in 2023 than you saw in 1993? Yeah, Steph, I mean, Steph changed the game. It's, 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 
everybody if you if you look at who's getting paid in in the nba it's guys who can shoot three if you're looking at like the 10th guy on the roster the reason he's on the roster is because he can walk on the court and do something which is almost always he can knock down a three and, and defend um and so naturally every that trickles down through every level of basketball so that all these all these kids work on when they're on their own is their ability to knock down threes and so the the you know era of having um you know two shooters on the court or whatever you know the the Reggie Miller teams it's like that just does it's not the same sport anymore and so uh you know to to your point it's almost everyone can shoot threes and i think that you see that on fsu's roster as well it's like you know we have big guys who can shoot threes you know Bob have, miller can make a yeah, three right he's 6 11 and he and he shoots three and last year we had john butler seven foot out there shooting threes so Cam we clear, can make a three yeah yeah so we, we clearly understand it when i say we the coaches we they clearly understand the evolution of the game which is what makes the defensive the inability to alter the defense um for this particular season so baffling yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I it, baffling is a great word. I I don't have a lot mm-hmm. to say to add to that. I I feel like we should I feel like we should acknowledge at least before cuz there's not I don't know, there's not a lot else to say. Like this team even if you gave it Ganey and Miller and Jackson from the start and Cameron Fletcher, like it still is not constructed in a way that they would be able to execute the defense that's been trying to be run in a way that would put this team. I mean, maybe we'd be, what are we, six and 13? Maybe we'd be uh, 10 and and nine, you know, or something like that. Like, I think we could just overwhelm a few teams like Stetson with some talent if we had more than seven guys, maybe when we played them. But I don't know. I, we should acknowledge the the improvement and the light bulb moment that has happened for Matthew Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That dude has turned into a dude. I mean, he is the leading defensive rebounder in the ACC. Yeah, it's funny. Our, our conversations about him over the season, too. It's just like, why isn't he better? Why isn't he better? Why isn't he better? Holy shit, he's really good. It's like it just came on out of nowhere. And it's been a couple months now and it's not letting up and he's got this, you know, crazy streak of double doubles going, but he's hitting threes. He's shooting confident. He's, he's, uh, his, he used to just blindly run over people on the court every time he drove. And now he's got these little, you know, nuanced moves that he's using. Yeah. It's, it's, he's a totally different player and, and good for him. And I, I thought that there was a chance that he'd be back next year, but I, but I think that that, that is dwindling. He is, you know, he's clearly, uh, you know, one of the top players in the conference and it just happened overnight and, and good for him. I'll say this. He is an extremely bright guy. It's clear when you talk to him. I've talked to Stan before about him saying like, man, sometimes this was last year. Sometimes Cleveland almost is too bright and like too mm-hmm. much in his head. And there was a time where he was staying up late at nights and they were having to tell him to go to bed because he's trying to deconstruct his free throw shot and look at like the math of the mechanics. Cause I think Cleveland's like an engineering background or something. Um, so I'll say that education is important to him. And I know that he would like to get a degree. 
Now you can get a degree while playing basketball for the Golden State Warriors. But uh, <laughs> I do know that that is important to him. He is only a true sophomore, but mm-hmm. given the load of classes that he takes, he probably could get his degree in three years if he were to come back. I don't know, Seminole fans, if you want to hold out some hope, that's what I would, huh. that's what I'm giving you. That's what Papa Minnick is saying. Maybe there's a chance, you know? Well, I'm holding out hope just because if he comes back next year, and the the bulb has turned on. It's it's he's the type of guy who can carry a team. He is doing some rarefied. I mean, mm-hmm. the level of rebounding. I mean, the double double streaks incredible. But you know, too, he just now he's not overthinking shots. He just mm-hmm. pulls up and and you know, if the yeah. three goes in, it goes in. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But you don't see him hanging his head like you did last mm-hmm. year. Um, and 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 he. It's like he woke up one day and decided, you know, I would like to make lots and lots of money with my <laughs> six, seven Uber athletic body. I think I'm just going to go grab every rebound that's yep. there and also make some shots. Yeah. <laughs> so kudos to him. I also want to real quickly uh, say there's been a noticeable change in body language and attitude with Jalen Worley mm-hmm. uh, from the beginning of the season. He, I, w- I still wish he'd be more aggressive hunting his own shots, but there has been a change in how he carries himself, and that's good to see. And uh, it's it's also been just really nice, I think, for for team morale and stuff to see guys like Chandler Jackson, Deontay Green, and uh, and Bala Miller get back on the court, whether that was from injury or suspension. Like that's nice to see. And and can I give it? I mean is there a prettier shot than Darren green that you've seen in a while? (laughs) Yeah. He is who PJ Savoy wanted to be. He is, he is that he, I, we're not going to single, single him out for developing a ton over the year, but we're can single him out for being one of the best shooters that I've ever seen. And that he's on Florida state is, 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 uh, you know, fortunate occasion. That dude can just straight rip nets. Mm -hmm. I mean, some guys you just, even this is even true when you're 15 and going out to the gym or whatever. And some guys just can put the ball in the basket, man. Oh man. It is. uh, If if you haven't, if you live in the Tallahassee area, just get out to a game, at least to see how quick Darren green goes from catching the ball to, to getting that flick of the wrist off. Uh, It is, it is something to, something to see for sure. Um, Okay. So great. That's the team. Uh, Let maybe, maybe give me here. 45 seconds, Michael, of we are six and 13. What is a reasonable expectation for the rest of the year? I mean, do you think that so Florida State's four and four in the ACC? Let's put it that. Can Florida State finish 10 and 10 in the ACC? They could. I don't think they will. It's, it's, um, I think, I think it'll be close. I think we're going to finish with maybe eight or nine, eight or nine wins. If we, if we get to 10, I think that's a, a pretty good job by the coaches. Uh, the, if you're, holding out hope for March the the only hope is the ACC has no elite there there is no real elite team there's no team in the ACC that Florida State can't beat mm-hmm. so the likelihood of going on a three or four day run in the ACC tournament is exceedingly small but it's not you know it's it's greater than zero I would agree with that I did an article a couple of weeks back people didn't see it about you know what the return of Baba cut might mean and, and in that I kind of shared that I think we're like one in 12 in quad one, two and three games. 
Uh, so there, there is no, there is no NCAA tournament at large hopes. I just want everyone to think about that. I don't care if Florida state won the rest of their games, there is not an NCAA at large hope. I think that it's to your point, I don't know, five, 7% chance of, of like getting the right bracket draw mm-hmm. in the ACC tournament. And then maybe there's an injury and, you know, some team's best player misses it for a sprained ankle or something. And all of a sudden you find yourself in the ACC tournament semifinals. And then from there, who knows? So sure. Why not? Um, We play Pitt on Saturday, Michael. What's Pitt going to do? Pitt is going to shoot and make a lot of threes. They, yeah, so that's, that's fun. They, yeah. So Pitt, you know, has, pretty much stunk since Jeff Capel took over. Um, but this year, I think they were, they were even leading the ACC there for a minute. Um, but what they have done is they've gone from a team that never shoots threes to a team that shoots almost nothing but threes. And if you've been paying attention to Florida state's uh, defensive issues, you'll notice that the other team tends to shoot a lot of threes and there's nobody in a Florida state uniform anywhere near them. And that can be a kind of a bad thing against Pitt. So I would expect that um, this is not going to be a particularly fun game to watch, but who knows? So you're telling me I should take uh, the over on Pitt's Pitt's total points there, uh, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. no, I, yeah, Pitt, that doesn't seem like fun. Then we come back and play Miami and, and what's the surest way to beat FSU is beat them off the bounce Mm -hmm. Uh, and then kick out to the corner. I think Isaiah Wong is going to have a field day uh, against uh, Florida State on Tuesday, the 24th. But maybe come out to the tuck on the 28th against Clemson. I, I don't know. I don't get the sense. I think Clemson has uh, played above its head the first half of the season, and I think that's a winnable game at home. Sure. Sure. Why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so that's a wrap on kind of talking about this season. Let's uh let's take a quick commercial break and then we will I, I think let's spend some good conversation on next year. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right. Uh, If you just missed the first part, we talked a little bit about the first part of the year. FSU's bad. Matthew Cleveland's good. Points don't matter and no one's keeping track. Uh, so that's that was the recap of that. Um, let me ask you this. So we we had some actually did have some good discussion about how we we this roster as it stands is not does not appear able to defend uh, in the way that the coaching staff would like to, to defend. And let let's just run with the assumption right now that we'll run with two assumptions. One. Leonard Hamilton and Stan Jones are back next year, which I would probably say is is likely going to happen because of finances. But I, I actually don't know that that's a 100% sure thing. Maybe we could talk about that in a future pod. Um, let's call it a 90% chance. And they do not have some revelation over the offseason that they are going to completely overhaul the defense that they want to run. Mm-hmm. Right. By and large, 
they're going to, they're coming back next year and they're going to run the same defense. Who on this team do, do you want to be like, not who do you like, not who's a good guy, who do you can like run and execute this defense, assuming some level of progression, be it from better understanding the system or recovering from an injury or whatnot. Yeah. So there are what 360 division one teams and, and, Every one of them, there's some sort of interconnectedness between the offense and the defense. Uh, Virginia, for example, they defend, they take 10 seconds off, they play offense. So their their offense and defense are very disconnected. Florida State is com- completely on the other end of the spectrum and that the offense and defense is almost completely connected. And where that connection is, is that the defense has to be disruptive. They have to be creating um, opportunities, not only for transition, but also just they have to make the other team uncomfortable. They have to wear them down mentally and physically. You know, all, all of those things contribute Speed them to- up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and by doing that, our offense becomes better. And so, so it's a very interconnected system. So when you're thinking about a roster construction for Florida state, you know, who on this roster can be those disruptive guys. And that's why we, we tend to recruit like long athletes. And so, you know, Cleveland obviously want is someone that you would want back. Cam Fletcher is a great one. Cam Corrin, Jalen Worley, uh, Chandler Jackson, you know, Dante Green, we haven't got a chance to see him play, but he definitely fits that mold. Baba and Ganey, I think are the, are the, the kind of core guys that, that I would want back. And even though Darren Green is probably not the most disruptive player in the world, you by take the means, greatest shooter. Yeah, yeah. You, you want, you want the guy who can, who can knock down eight threes in a game. Yeah. So I think that that's my core, um, you know, nothing against the other guys that I'm not mentioning, but but that would leave what like an additional three or four scholarships, um, you know, not counting, you know, the one, uh, uh, the one commit that we already have. Taylor Bone. Taylor Bone, who is probably fits that description better than anybody on our current roster. I yeah, I was gonna say Taylor Taylor Bowen, I is like made in a lab to play in Leonard Hamilton's defense, mm-hmm. like. I mean, knock on every wood you have that he comes in and stays healthy next year, but he is, he is what you would want to be disruptive, yeah. uh, which was a great description, by the way. I don't know that I've ever heard you say it so succinctly. That was brilliant. I think you could take it even a step further and say, not only does that make the offense better then the offense scores, let's say in transition or with an open three. And now because the offense scored, they're able to set up, a little bit of even a token press that further speeds up the team, gets them out of their rhythm and gets the ball out of the hands of the person who the other team wants the ball to be in. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is the whole philosophy of uh, Hamilton's defense. So I'm going to, I'm going to start playing little magician here and say that Baba does not return. We know that he came to uh, the States just to get ready for pro ball. Anyways, he's been on some NBA draft, you know, anywhere from late first, early second. So let's say he doesn't return. Um, I'll throw you a bone and say Cleveland does return. And, and I will say that from the, it has been made clear both in public statements uh, of, of how of, of Hamilton outright saying that he was, late to the party on some transfers, which I don't think you and I either really agree with. Mm-hmm. He's He's been utilizing transfers since 
Jeff Peterson and guys like David Nichols and and uh, a whole whole bunch of kids that were Malik Osborne and stuff that were helpful to some really successful teams. Um, it sounds like he is going to make use of the transfer portal. He he has made commitments to saying, "I got the memo. We're going to go out and and he wants to get older." Um, who? So let's say McLeod is gone. Let's say uh, Caleb Mills graduates and is gone. Like what? You know what? So what are you talking about bringing in then? What do What do you want to bring in to the team? Well, there, there's no sense in bringing in somebody who can't run the defense efficiently. And so if we could go out and, and uh, you know, recruit Zach Eady, would we? Probably. But can he run our defense? Absolutely not. So if you're going to bring in somebody, you know, not, obviously Zach Eady's not going to transfer to Florida State. But if you're going to bring in somebody like that, you, you're going to have to change the system. And Ham's not going to do that. He's already proven that. Um, so it's got to be somebody in this mold of long and lengthy and i think the other you know the, the other point you're going to look at is how well does that person shoot the three and so if you see any mid-major kid out there that's 24 years old athletic and can knock down three they are a transfer candidate for florida state or they need to be yeah yeah so what you're saying is is despite saint mary's out where you are being the number one defensive rebounding team in the country and one of the elite teams at preventing opponents from taking threes. If you've ever watched them play, they don't have a lot of long athletic guys. So they are clearly doing that in a style of defense that is vastly different from ours and would not make a strong candidate to come. I mean, that's not the type of guy that is going to come in and be able to execute the the system that I gave you the assumption of the staff's going to continue running. Yeah, I think I think Darren Green kind of fits the mold of someone who would who would do very well at at at, at St. Mary's or a school like that. And I don't think that you can have you know more than one you know maybe one of those guys on your team, um, just because it, it's so disruptive to everything else that Florida State is trying to do. But he brings so much to the table that you're willing to take that trade off. But you don't want two of them on the court at the same time. Yeah, you can. And, and honestly as much as Darren's been doing, you know, huge work playing 35, 36 minutes, mm-hmm. you'd also like to see him playing 24 and, yep. and go in six of 10 from three in those 24 minutes and mm-hmm. then getting Taylor Bowen 25 minutes that yeah. is being disruptive and, and initiating the fast break. Um, you know, this brings up a, a more interesting question too, about just the transfer portal in general and how, you know, Hamilton said, in a recent press conference, well, I've, I miss, we missed the memo, but we got it now and we're going to rectify that. And I mean, I don't know, like, like I mentioned earlier, we, I don't know if that's true or not. How many transfers are on this team, Michael? Like we've got Fletcher, Gaines, Green. Yeah. I mean, the team probably looks different with Gainey playing, but I, I just don't know how true that is, but it's, 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 it's a new age. It, it is hard. I mean, you're seeing Mike Bray retire. You're seeing Coach K retire. You're seeing Roy Williams retire. It is hard now to think about the kind of roster management and construction that you have to do on a year-over-year basis. And I had a chance, when when Virginia was here, I had a chance to talk with Tony Bennett, and he is one of the most respected minds in at basketball at any level. And uh, And... Let's play. I asked Tony Bennett this question about 
roster construction in the era of the portal and go ahead and play what Tony Bennett had to say about how uh, the proliferation of the portal portal has, has forced him to change the way they approach roster construction. Coach, uh, your program has been, you know, one of the elite of basketball for, for a while now with the proliferation of the portal. How has how has that changed? You know, has it forced you to change a year to year roster management approach? Is that something that just you or other coaches have really had to adjust uh, how you build a team year over year? Yeah, there's definitely some challenges that come with that. Um, we try to, you know, last couple of years we haven't um, used all of our scholarships. We've had a little smaller team, and you know, hopefully, pour into the key guys, and not as many will leave. And if we've gone to the portal, it's been you know, Ben Manderplass, someone's going to help us. Last year it was Jaden Gardner and Armand Franklin Hadz. Those guys were going to come in and really help us. Um, but there are certainly more challenges to build it because I think continuity is, is key. And so we've had some continuity. We've got an older team. Last year we were older but new because of that. This year there's a little more stability and then getting the right kind of transfers. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a hard thing. I mean, I, I don't think um, if you polled 100 coaches – uh, I think you'd probably get a hundred that would say, or most would say, I wish it wasn't quite like that unless it's a waiver or something, an extreme circumstance. So, but it is what it is. So you say, all right, how can we treat our guys right, coach them the right way, hold them accountable, you know, but teach them, hold them accountable and love them. And if they want to be a part of it, hopefully you'll have them for the time they're here. And if they aren't and they don't want to or other things are there, um, you can't, you can't coach waiting for the other foot to drop. You coach the right way, treat the guys well, but push them and try to do something good together. And so that's how you have to be, and everybody's got a different philosophy. Load up my roster because I know I'm going to lose a bunch at the end. Keep it tighter. You have to make some decisions, but um, that's kind of where we're at. Appreciate it. Great. Yeah, I love Tony Bennett. That's obviously a, a you know, very well-thought-out um, answer to your question. Um, I love to poke fun of him for making college basketball boring, but he's 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 one of the rare coaches who will actually talk real um, and, and and answer questions. So I, pr- I appreciate you asking him a good question, and I appreciate the answer. And if you look at Virginia, you know they're bringing in guys who are super tough. Like that's that's his thing. They've got it. They've got to be um, people who are losing sleep by losing basketball games. And so he's brought in Armand Franklin, Jaden Gardner, Ben Vanderplas, you know, two of them were, were kind of low mid-major guys. And then Franklin, I think came from Indiana. Um, but he, I, I think when we, ta- when, you know, earlier you mentioned ham and you weren't quite sure what to make of his transfer portal co- uh, comment, because we have brought in a lot of transfers. I think what ham might be saying is that, he's just not relying on the portal enough to bring in impact guys. You know, he's, he's more using it as a secondary source to complete a roster. Um, so yeah, I, w- I wonder if, if what you took from, you know, uh, Bennett's saying about maybe not using all the scholarships or, or whatever, and, and, you know, how that really plays into what we're doing and what other teams are doing with the, with the portal. Yeah. It, it, I was appreciative of his thoughtful answer. I, you know, he said a couple of things. He, it, you kind of alluded to this too. He said the right kind of transfer, right? They're not just looking to bring in any, like the right kind of transfer. And I think for Tony, like you said, that means someone who is going to 
execute the pack line and run through a wall for him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in Florida State land, to your point earlier, that that means that unless it's someone who is a truly elite shooter, that guy needs to be six five or six seven and laterally extremely quick and probably old probably someone who's been through the grind of basketball and is able to push themselves to a limit and play 20 you know and play their ass off and then take a little you know check that ego at the door and take a little break and if you don't have that then then I don't know that you're the right kind of transfer for Florida State you know you also talked about the continuity challenges and how just because you get a transfer in it, you, you almost still need them to Jerome Tang at Kansas State is maybe proving the statement wrong, but you almost still need them to be together for a year or two as well, which you would see next year actually would be like Cam Fletcher's third year in the continuity of the program. And, um, you know, Malik Osborne was able to be here for three or four years and he blossomed into what he became. So I don't, it's tough. It's tough, but I, I can't see circling back to next year. I cannot see a situation where Florida State is an NCAA tournament team unless they bring in at least two or three guys who can immediately be disruptive on defense. Yeah, it's almost like pro sports now. It's, you know, with the what the portal has done to college sports because next year is probably a year where, you know, Florida State needs to go out and sign a all-star center fielder. You know, they, they need somebody to carry them over that edge to get into the playoff and other years you know you might be you, you know you might be more trading for a guy who's you know under contract for the next six years or whatever the, mm-hmm. to, to give you mm-hmm. some more few but next year is like a a high leverage year for one year guys and and so we need to i would like to see that in the reflected in the transfer portal and first of all it's a high leverage year because coach hamilton can't go I don't know, let's say we finish 10 and 20 this year. You can't go 10 and 22 years in a row and keep your job. Mm. So it's a high leverage year for that. He's mm-hmm. got to find someone who comes in and makes an immediate impact. Yep. If Coach Hamilton has any sway over the FSU NIL system, um, they need to dump a boatload of money into Matthew Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've got to retain that kid. Um, and it's a high level year because high leverage year, if you get Jalen Worley, and Matthew Cleveland and Jalen Ganey and uh, you know, Taylor Bowen's coming in and Chandler Jackson has a year of healthy off season. Like all of a sudden you're talking about a team that suddenly actually kind of looks like a, mm-hmm. like a five seed, you know, right. and you add uh, some guy who is an elite lateral, you know, perimeter defender and who maybe can shoot 36% from three all of a sudden you're maybe looking at a three seed and, and fortunes can change in one year very quickly. Just ask Jerome Tang at Kansas state. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. It's tough. I don't know that I would enjoy being a coach right now, uh, but it, it does leave you. I feel like Michael, there has to be some hope that maybe this can be a one year blip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we've, we've always relied on, um, fairly complex roster management in the past. You know, Ham has never been somebody who just focuses on going out and landing about all the four stars, you know, because Florida State just can't do that. So he's always had to be creative in the past. And I, I, so it, it gives me hope that 
he can take all of these things that we've been talking about, identify the right transfers, figure out who those guys are that are going to allow us, you know, to go 13 and seven in the ACC or 14 and six or whatever, and get back into the tournament where Florida state belongs and, and have a successful season. And what, you know, could honestly be his, his final season as coach. So, yeah. And if there is a silver lining to how bad this year is uh, you have, you have playing time to offer mm-hmm. and, and, Honestly, you get a little early jump on it compared to all the coaches that are preparing for basketball games in middle and late March. I mean, yep. you get you get to go out and get that jump. So uh, there could be a little silver lining there. It's been a, a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I think we, I don't know if we're going to do it on a weekly basis. There's just not a lot to update about how this season is going. But um, I think there's definitely some as we get into February and then transfer season, I certainly think that it's going to be uh, maybe, maybe we'll have more podcasts in March and April than we did than we do now uh, as that'll be some, some key moments for sure. Uh, well, any, any last thoughts for this? Are you, are you watching anything else this weekend besides Florida state and, and besides pit lighting up Florida state, you got anything else going? Well, we'll see what that, taste is, is left in my mouth after that game if if florida state wins then i'm all in i'll watch any i'll watch anything if, if they all right, lose all right. then maybe i'll go find a canoe or something i feel you i feel you i'm river i yeah i'll probably click click over to the nfl playoffs if uh pretty soon if if, if we give up 85 to pit right. so uh well good good chatting and uh as always uh take care and go Knowles. all right